0: Welcome to episode 36 of the I'm Still Standing podcast. Today we have Crystal Lavallee, who is a force in the nation of Canada. She's the founder and director of I Am Compelled, whose focus since 2017 has been to combat suicide among First Nation youth. She's also the producer for First People's Voices. this episode has been sponsored by the second annual i'm still standing retreat please save the date for may 29th to 30th 2020. the retreat will be held at the guelph bible conference center and we'll be accepting deposits shortly so please stay tuned crystal lavalie is a founder and national director of i am compelled a charity that educates students in canadian heritage and responsible citizenship she's also the producer of First People's Voices, a television show on 100 Huntley Street that features the stories of First Nation, Métis, and Inuit people that educate and bring healing regarding Indigenous history.
1: Welcome. Thank you. This is so fun.
0: I'm so excited to have you. Oh my goodness. So I'm going to start with a fun question. Okay. What is one thing you like to treat yourself with that you really can't do without?
1: Okay. I know that right off the top of my head here. It's a mini Dairy Queen Blizzard strawberry cheesecake. It, it's a must.
0: <laughs> Interesting. My husband likes those.
1: <laughs> but only the mini size, not the small, the medium or the large. You just need mini every once in a while. You just have to treat yourself.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, you have, you're have. you doing a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, what led you to found I am compelled
1: yeah so there is this um, there 's a fantastic woman by the name of Faetin Grzeski, who started an organization uh, i don 't know I, I would say twelve years ago, but it 's called um, for my Canada, and it would just educate young Canadians on political issues so mm-hmm. Um, and being a voice where we can. And so I worked for her for four years, and I felt the stir to start taking our Canadian roots, our Canadian history of great men and women who sacrificed back then, not knowing if their sacrifices would have an impact on us today. And so I just felt the stir to, to create some type of program or assembly that would really inspire the next generation to sacrifice now in order to see a stronger Canada. And so long story short, I just started working my butt off and worked for her, worked on this program, and eventually it just birthed I Am Compelled, which is a 45-minute assembly that puts young people with talent and ability um on on a stage and they're just able to use their talents to inspire the next generation to do good deeds. So that's basically how I got started. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: Wow. Okay, cool. And I remember you sharing, um, I first saw you at an event at my church actually, Toronto City Church. Um yes, and you told this story about like just deciding to pick up the baton. So Mm -hmm. can you share a little bit about your personal testimony and what you know, and your relationship with God and how you decided to just pick up that baton.
1: Mm -hmm. So my mom, um, was really instrumental in bringing us, my sister and I to Sunday school and my dad wasn't, uh, he didn't really know Christ as his personal savior at the time. So she just brought us to church faithfully and, um, it was an unorthodox church. So it was very, it was a church that was filled with, um, I would say the Holy Spirit, where I saw when I was a, a young, you know, nine-year-old, I saw a man go up for prayer at the front and he went up to the prayer, you know, depressed and looked like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. And then when he left after prayer, he was rejoicing and singing. And I just thought, wow, this is, this is cool. God must be so real. And so when I was a kid, I gave my heart to Jesus because there was a lot of um, struggles going on in our family personally. And um, a lot of turmoil, um, just, you know, tight for money, things like that. We lost our house, uh, you know, lots of fighting going on. So as a little girl, your security was robbed from you. And so um, I found my comfort not in, so they say sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but I found my comfort in knowing the relationship with Jesus was a real thing and that he cared for you and he loved you and he could speak. So I remember being hearing the audible voice of God when I was a kid um, just really soft that he loved me and that he had a plan for my life. And so I just started pursuing who this God was. And um, he was better than ice cream, Dairy Queen ice cream. He was better than anything I'd experienced. And there was a level of comfort and care and just an empowerment, like a true dad just started speaking identity when I was a kid. So that leveraged me to um, pick up the baton. My Grandfather, who's the Metis side of our family, so he's from the Red River Settlement, which is present day Manitoba. He actually passed away. And when I went to his funeral in Manitoba, I prayed and I saw this picture of a baton dropping. And I felt like God said, Would you pick up the baton? Everything that your grandfather didn't fulfill, would you fulfill? And I said, Yes. And so that's transpired into everything that I've been doing, whether it's educational charity or whether it's ministry or whether it's raising up young people. Um, it's just passing that baton to make sure that people know that there is a God in heaven and he does love them. He's not mad at them, but he has a full, he has fullness of life for us. Wow.
0: That's, that's so, so powerful. I remember when I first heard it, I was just like, mind blown. Like it was really, it's really, really powerful to, um, to pick up the baton and continue what our ancestors have started, but with Christ and with just Him in the lead. It's amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: It is. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs>
0: it's, yeah, it's, it's really exciting, an adventure. <laughs> um, I feel like, you know. I'm gonna go here, this is a little interesting question. So as someone who practiced social work for a long time um, in the black community and just knowing how like sometimes our faith and what we do, it can be looked at as like a little bit of a conflict. Do you ever feel like there's a perceived conflict of interest um, with you being a Christian and a Métis citizen or any misunderstandings due to the historical impacts um, from people who claimed Christianity back in the day um with the people you work with now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There is um I could cry thinking of it. So it wasn't until nine years ago where my dad actually told me that we were Metis because my cousin had got their Metis status or two of my cousins. And I said, Dad, don't like what does this mean? I don't understand. And up until that point, I had been one of those people in the church that had Declared that Canada has this Christian foundation. So when I di- realized right before we launched, I am compelled that those some of those Christian men were responsible for the residential schools. Um, you know, and I say quote unquote Christian. Um, you know, and the residential schools was where they forced Native children out of their homes and into these schools where they were abused, stripped of their language, their culture. Their hair was cut, their clothing was removed, and they were forced to assimilate to, quote unquote, white or European culture, and in the name of God.
0: it makes me so upset.
1: And I think I wept because I said, that's something that you can't just hide under the rug. And so as a Christian Métis, I said, okay, well, let's look at who God is in the Bible and the character that God has. And um, He, you know, in in my Bible, it says that it's every tongue, tribe and language that will be with him. And so when, you know, when the church or when the government said to a native kid, when God made you native, he actually made a mistake. That's wrong. And that's a lie. And so I think, I think having that understanding and having that history and having that education of our past, I'm able to say, hey. This is actually who God is. He would never, he never would have done that. Even if you go back to the crusades, like this, those time periods, man, if I was alive during those time periods, I think I would have just, you know, (laughs) wreaked havoc on people because I'm like, that's just not who God is. Um, So going in and being actually a representation of who the true Jesus is and listening to the stories of first peoples all across Canada, there is a real Jesus that a lot of them knew before they went into residential school that wasn't the real Jesus. So we're finding these testimonies of the authenticity of, of who God is, who Jesus is, and what he can actually do for people. So to stand on their shoulders and to have their partnership as we go, um, and just walking in love, because if you don't have love, you're nothing. So just to have that standpoint of you can believe what you believe, but I'm here to say that what happened in our past was wrong, and it's time to make wrongs right.
0: Yeah, and I I really think it's powerful that you are um, a representative of both sides. So it's not like someone coming from the outside, you know, trying to convince, not saying you're trying to convince anybody, but being that representation. I think that's really powerful. And um, it's very, I agree, it's very upsetting um, hearing certain history, even you know, even um, when I read uh, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and how mm. all of the most of the uh, Christian churches actually went w- along with Hitler. And it's just like, it just reminds me of these historical occurrences, um, these things that happen in the name of Christianity when it has nothing to do with God at all. Like it's actually opposite, completely opposite. It's very upsetting. And I'm really happy that you're able to just go in those spaces and just be a the face of Jesus in a very different way um, than that has been experienced historically. Mm I Am Compelled made a shift to focus on combating suicide among First Nations youth. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the impact that has had so far?
1: Yes. And can I just start by saying it was 2016, the end of 2016, where news headlines were saying Suicide crisis in the north all over in indigenous communities. And I felt it in my heart That I just said, you know, we do this school show and it's great but I said Like our whole tagline is solutions to problems and I just felt in my heart that I said, okay, we have to we, if nobody else Will go we'll go because it's expensive. It's thousands of dollars. It's days off. It's traveling. It's long commutes and I just said, okay, God, if you're with us and you want us to help, and would you back us? Would you help us? And so doors just started opening for different communities, which was amazing, I, indigenous communities. And people just started donating to send a team of young people to go into these communities to love them unconditionally. And what we discovered is, this is in my personal opinion, sometimes the suicide crisis exists, because there's nobody else speaking hope. And the number one way to combat suicide is to promote hope and resiliency. And so I said, well, we'll go. And so you know we're crazy enough to go with our little show, our little theater show, pack all the gear on a plane, send the team, uh, get in a van, drive eight hours. Um, But what we're finding is because we have no agenda, we have no other agenda than to just go and love on kids and tell them that they're valuable and the response from those communities has been overwhelming. I mean, most indigenous people, they can sniff out when you try to go up to help or save the day, and they're used to people coming into the community to exploit them to make money for their own cause. But with what we're doing, we're literally raising funds to sow it into the community, to sow it into the young people. And nobody on our team takes a wage when we do that. Nobody's getting paid. It's all volunteer. And sometimes they're gone for a week, uh, You know, anywhere from four days to a week. And they give up work to go. And I think that's where the heart, they can feel that. So we've seen kids You know, a lot of youth have admitted to us that they wanted to take their own lives. But after the message of hope, they said, "We know we have purpose, and we know we have valuable." It doesn't negate the fact that it's still hard for them in remote communities. But with social media, we try to connect with them as much as we possibly can, and continue with events. And there's a leadership team on the ground in Saskatoon, Marvin and Dolores Netmaker, who we've you know partnered together to host a province-wide youth retreat weekend. For indigenous youth, which is where we'll be september twenty sixth to the 29th, mm-hmm. and um, we're just believing that you know crystal meth will be combated, suicide will be combated, and that kids will encounter a loving God Amen. and when their lives are filled with love, they're filled with hope, and then they have they can see purpose and they can see that there is a destiny for them
0: Wow. There's, um, that's really powerful. I'm like, my eyes are filled with tears right now. I don't know if you can see that. It's just, it's so powerful. And I'm so happy that God has called you to this and that you've answered the call because I don't know, I'm sure you realize the weight of what you're doing. Um, it's, it's completely, it can completely change, um, Canada. It really can. And our history and make things right.
1: And I think when you see, um, like, when, you, when we go into communities with first people's voices, um, we go to find the inspiring stories because I think what you see in the news all the time is the hopelessness or the social challenges. But um, we, we work our butts off so that people in Canada can hear a different narrative. And actually, yesterday they told me, They just told me that Jan Arden tweeted at Crossroads, like they tweeted at 100 Huntley Street, saying that she was so impressed by these stories, these inspiring stories of First Nation uh, people in Canada. And I just said, that's exactly what we're trying to hit. We're not trying to be somebody we're not. We're not trying to make something. But it's championing this real Jesus through authentic Indigenous stories. And the fact that people are taking notice, I said, That's a testimony that right now in this hour I feel like God's heart is on the first peoples in Canada and I feel like it's, you know, all hands on deck to go and sacrifice and see them come alive because the history has been the complete opposite from the church. So the fact that the church is now being the true hands and feet of Jesus it's, it's, it's just, we're going to see people come alive. We're going to see hearts come alive. We're going to see healing come. And that's, that's why I do what I do because I don't care about religious movement. I said, what we want to see is authentic people awakening to their purpose and living it out.
0: Amen. 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 I love it. I love it. (laughs) For people who don't have cable like myself, um, is there an online option to watch uh, the show? Yep.
1: Yeah, so you can go to firstpeoplesvoices.ca is where you'll find those six-minute segments that we put on 100 Huntley Street. So we have we have this incredible show called, it's called Across the Land, and it's host-driven. So it's myself, my friend Barry Mitswing shawafo and then Tarrant Crosschild, So they are, um, you kind of volunteer hosts, but we ended up in, we had five weeks to pump out six episodes and two of those weeks I was gone. So really we had three weeks to finish six shows, which is almost impossible, but somehow we were really squeezed and pressed, but we did it because the cause was greater than, um, you know, the cause was worth it. So the cause is let's create a TV show championing indigenous hope-filled stories of transformation so that other people can watch and be inspired and so um, You can find that on YouTube, but uh, the other thing is is that um, It's we're in significant locations across Canada So we we started at Stanley Park and we interviewed Jodie Wilson-Raybould, which she was the former Justice um, Attorney General uh, for Canada, and then she got ousted out by the Prime Minister, but she just shares her heart, and I ask her one question, what will you do when you're the Prime Minister one day, and she laughed, and then she tells her answer in the interview, but um, you've got Riding on Stone Provincial Park in southern Alberta, you've got uh, Crawford Lake, Batoche. These are all significant sites in Canada where Battle of Batoche happened. Louis Riel, my ancestor, was um, captured and later hung for treason. So we went to significant indigenous sites in Canada so that people could raise awareness, so we could raise awareness on what, what actually took place and the people and the culture and the history. And um, we just had a lot of fun. So check it out.
0: <laughs> I will definitely, because I, I personally need to learn more. So, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with everyone. Um, with all that you have going on and, oh my goodness, I don't even know how you do everything. <laughs> um, we,
1: have a good, we have a good team. We have a really good team.
0: <laughs> That's good. How do you stay grounded, focused, and healthy? Like, what are your, some of your tricks and tips?
1: Yeah. So I think your, your number one thing is you don't want to give yourself the things that take from you. Um, And one of the biggest things I've learned is don't waste time on energy drainers. So if you're complaining all the time, that actually drains your energy. If you are, you know, giving yourself to drama, that's draining your energy. So I try to live a no drama life, um, just very low profile and um, spending time, quiet time in prayer and just reading um, so vital for, for what you're doing because you're essentially in ministry and ministry is just basically you're ministering to people. So there's all kinds of people, as you know, as we all know, there's different types of people in the world. And so to have the patience and to have the love and to truly be Christ-like, you have to spend time with Christ and you have to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And he actually gives you the grace. And I think that's the other thing is find your grace zone. So if your grace zone isn't, um, you know, maybe you're just slugging away, working a job, and you don't like it. Then check in with God and say, "Is this building my character? Is this helping me save financially? Is this me just being comfortable in what I know?" Um, because when you spend time with God, He'll lead, guide, and direct your steps. So that's that should actually be number one. And then, and then just watch what you give your energy to, because you only have so much of it a day. Um, so that's what I do. And then just there's grace. For your race. I just made that up right now. There is grace <laughs> for your race. That's so, so if, good. <laughs> but if you are not running your race, you're gonna feel like you're sludging through cement. You're gonna feel because even when we were pioneering, I am compelled. I made no money, but I was the happiest person ever because I was doing exactly what I knew I was called to do. And it cost me everything. But that sacrifice back then has actually set me up for now. And you can't lose it's always faithful with little more will be given but if you're not faithful with little how can God give you more so find your grace zone find your race find your grace spend time with God should be number one and then remember that you're in the business of loving people no matter what background no matter what language you know love love others like Jesus said love thy neighbor <laughs> yeah
0: I love it. Grace for the race. That's gonna, I'm going to write that and put it like right on my computer. Honestly, that's so good. How can we find you if we want to know more?
1: Mm-hmm. So if you are a teacher, and educator, um, and if you want a, an incredible assembly that's just life-giving and full of education and residential school stories and indigenous storytelling, then you want to go to IamCompelled.ca if you want to know about our production and what we're doing at Crossroads 100 Huntley Street, then you want to go to firstpeoplesvoices.ca. And if you want to uh, follow us on the TV show, you've got to go to that YouTube channel, which I believe is just across the land on YouTube.
0: Standing for so long, I forget a stand so Oh